Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Welcome to Deep Dive 6, the 210th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of author C.S. Lewis. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother, and I do like that quote. I like a lot of C.S. Lewis's work, I do too. actually. He was, while well, he was a philosopher, mm-hmm. um, just because he was a Christian philosopher doesn't mean he didn't have really interesting perspectives mm-hmm. on things. And he had I, really interesting perspectives even on Christianity. Yeah, he was he, an interesting he, dude. He really was. He he had a lot of interests and flavored his work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually really like, I think the Screwtape Letters was also Oh, his. very fascinating. Love the Screwtape yeah, Letters. Yeah, so screw tape if you've never read good. those, branch out from his Narnia stuff, go, go read the Screwtape Letters. And if you don't want to read them, there is an excellent audio version with um, the actor who portrayed Gollum. Yeah. I can't think of his name Andy right Serkis. now. Thank you. With Andy Circus doing the entire narration. It is amazing. It's very good. It's very, very good. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, all right. But that was but, a little bit of a kitten trail right at the start right of the episode. At the start, <laughs> right at the start of the kitten trail. But, you know, got to give props where props are due. Uh-huh. So we're going to start with housekeeping. It's the first of the month. Oh, yes. Everybody sit back. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Relax. It's time to read the names. Time of, to read the names of our beloved patrons, and you know we love you all. Yes, so we're gonna we're gonna read all the patrons now. So, first of all, kittens. We do not read the names of kittens, but there are thirty-two of them. We love you, kittens. Thank you to our kittens. There are twenty-two cats. We love you, cats. And their names are Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Willow Green, Ebby, Ashley Harkins, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misco. Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, Chris Mickelson, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Melkor, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Coney Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, and Cindy Barrick. We love you cats. Thank you cats. Thank you cats. There are 62 hunters. Thank you hunters. We love you hunters. We do. You know we do. And their names are Scout, Lisa N., Heather Weidman, Annie Ray, Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexaluna, Mary Rose, Mike Stanley, Misa Skye, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharat, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Knight Ryan, Druidic Cart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rolfer, La Petite Poisson, Loreana Lee Knapp, Saga, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kunes, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Rochella and Dasveed, David Dashifen Keys, Zemina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Sky Bierce, Jim Two Snakes, Sarah Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selness, Finn, Elisa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Lorelei, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. We love you, hunters! Thank you to our many, many hunters. And yes, Finn, there are a lot of you crazy fuckers. There's so many. <laughs> there are nine leopards. We love you, leopards. And their names are. Jerdy Cozy, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, 
Eleanor Faithful, Chris Colibri, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. Thank you, leopards. We love you. Thank you, leopards. There are five tigers. Thank you, tigers. We love you. And their names are Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. And we do love our tigers. We do. There are two panthers, and their names are Laurel Jade and Don Taylor. We love you, panthers. And there are three jaguars. Jaguars. And their names are Laurie Phillips, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you, jaguars. Thank you to all of our patrons. Always, always thank you to all of our patrons. You keep the you keep us going. Mm-hmm. You keep our lights on. Literally, you, you help us pay our rent <laughs> and help us pay for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we truly, truly, truly do thank you for supporting us. And of course, we love and thank all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Continued housekeeping. I wanted to let everyone know that there has been a Dictinus update posted on the Discord server. It is by Ran and Gray. They have made a lovely piece of art about. A new aspect of Dictinus. So I support everyone who has been following the Dictinus saga on our Discord server to go check out the Dictinus channel on our server because there has been a new development and And it's very nice. And remember, the Discord is open to everyone. Yes, the server is open to everyone. The server is open to everyone. It's just the recording channel and the patron questions. questions. Hunters and up. Hunters and up. Uh, I think that's it for housekeeping? Yes. Okay. We are housekept. I guess we're housewept. (laughs) <laughs> what was the other then? I don't know. So yeah, we're house swept. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're doing a deep dive again. Uh-huh. Because I love them. They do. Uh-huh. I forgot to tell Jackson that that was our topic this week, so he's not joining us. Oops. That was my fault. That was. I got to find like a central place in the house where I can just write down what our topic is and everyone mm-hmm. can just check that. Put it on the fridge. That's central. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Our kitchen is very centrally located. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start doing that. Yeah, we'll put up a magnet board uh-huh. or something. It'll be like, little next week's topic. <laughs> next week's topic, so we all know. Because sometimes I like barely see Jackson during the week. Just ships passing in the night. That's true. That's true. True. So that's how it's been this week. Bad ode. Bad. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> yep. So alas, no Jackson for this week. But alas. Gwen and I have prepared some deities to talk about. So Gwen, please tell us about your first deity because I know you're very excited about it. I am excited about it. As many of you have probably heard, mm-hmm. the volcano in Hawaii is... Mm-hmm. It's going. It's going. It's been erupting. And um, I believe it's Mauna Loa. Is Mauna, Mauna Loa is the one that is currently erupting the other one kilauea has been erupting like for several months mm-hmm. now and of course we had in 2018 mm-hmm. kilauea also erupted had an event had an event and so there's been a lot of volcanic activity yep. going on on the hawaiian islands recently and i was listening to a, a, a newscast about it and one of the people being interviewed mentioned pele mm-hmm. and i was like Oh, that's right. She's an amazing goddess. I want to do her for the deep dive. Because I've always found Pele to be incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not a deity that I would feel like I should honor or worship or anything. Don't feel drawn to work with. 
I, it's just that, you know, she's part of a, of a religious tradition that's still active. Yeah. Well, and she's so locational. Yeah, she's very locational. It would have to be, like, I felt called by her or right. I moved to Hawaii right. and, you know, or something. And had the opportunity. And had the opportunity. Finn says, I don't work with her, but a cousin that lives on the Big Island does. Ah, yes. Pele is the Hawaiian goddess of fire, volcanoes, and the creation of the Hawaiian Islands. Her titles of respect include Madame Pele and Tutu Pele. She is notable uh, as a contemporary presence and a cultural influence from ancient Hawaii. She kind of bridges that gap for people, I think, from present day to the ancient past and the the religious traditions and legends of of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And, of course, because the volcanoes are active and she is the goddess of the volcanoes, Interest uh, is rising. Interest is rising, you know. And as always, uh, you know, you can see evidence of, of her activity mm-hmm. anytime you go to Hawaii. So I think that's one of the reasons why she's able to kind of bridge that gap for people. It's like when I go out in a storm and I'm like, hey, Thor vibes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, she has epithets. The two that I found or saw were Pele Anuamea, which is Pele of the Sacred Land. And Kawaine Ai Anoua, the earth eating woman. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her parents are Haumea, who, and Haumea is a, a spirit who descended from the earth mother and the sky father. Okay. And Kawahilo. She is also known as she who shapes the sacred land because, you know, the islands were formed by the erupting volcanoes mm-hmm. and are still expanding and growing, you know, with the eruptions, volcanoes. That right, are, that, that whole island chain that was whole created by chain. volcanic activity. Exactly. And according to legend, Pele lives in Ha Lemauma'u of Kilauea. It's the Kilauea caldera. Mm. And so she is said to live in there. And of course, all volcanic activity on the big island is part of her domain. She has many siblings who I'm not even going to attempt to say their names, but they include deities of various types of wind, rain, fire, ocean, wave forms, cloud forms, you know, all nature. The natural world. Yeah, the natural world. Kilauea is one of the Earth's most active volcanoes. Uh, I think the one that's going now is one of the biggest. Mauna Loa is what's erupting right now, but Kilauea is the most active. The most active. active. Yeah. So you don't have to be the biggest to be the most active. No, but they do sort of set each other off. They do, and Kilauea started months ago Mm -hmm. again. And um, they said this Mauna Loa mm-hmm. is was, a reaction. It's kind to... of a reaction to to what's been going on over there. They've been very very active since 2018. Mm-hmm. And one of the legends I thought was interesting um, about Pele and how she came to form the Hawaiian Islands or the Big Island. Uh, Pele journeyed on her canoe from the island of Tahiti to Hawaii. And when on her journey, she tried to create her fire because, you know, she's a goddess of fire. So passion and power is a big part of what she does. So she's creating fire, you know. She was trying to create this on different islands, but her sister, Namaka, was chasing her because she wanted to kill her, apparently. Must have had some kind of a sibling rivalry or fight, you know, who knows. Um, And finally, uh, she caught up to Pele and she defeated her. She killed Pele. And her body, though, was destroyed. Her spirit lives in Kilauea. Hmm. 
And so they say her body is the lava and the steam that comes from the volcano. So that's her presence whenever you hmm. see the, the the lava and the, the steam, activity the activity of the, vol- the volcano. Yeah, that is Pele. And there's like some kind of a I forget what they call it. I forget if they call it Pele's tears or Pele's hair. The a specific kind a specific of lava kind flow. kind of lava flow that comes down from the volcano is is specifically attributed to Pele. She is also the goddess of the hula. Hmm. Yep, and it's believed that her sister, Hayaka, is the first to have danced to the hula, and therefore many dances and chants are dedicated to Pele and her various family members. And it is often performed as a representation of Pele's intense personality and the movement of the volcanoes and the, you know, the flow of the lava. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was interesting. An urban legend says that Pele herself occasionally warns locals of impending eruptions by appearing as an old woman with white hair or a young beautiful woman sometimes accompanied by a small white dog, always dressed in a red mumu. And then here's this one final little piece that is another urban legend that they believe might have been a response to increased tourism. Uh, (laughs) It's called Pele's Curse. Right. I'm familiar with this one. Yep. And that says that Pele's wrath will fall on anyone who removes items from her islands. And every year, numerous small Mm -hmm. natural items are returned by post to the National Park Service by tourists seeking Pele's forgiveness. People (laughs) will, like, take a rock and then mail it back to Hawaii being Uh like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bad shit has been happening (laughs) since I I did that. Uh Uh-huh. And there's so, 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 so much more. There's lots of legends about her, different, you know, depending on who's telling the tale. And because Mauna Loa is erupting mm-hmm. and Kilauea has been erupting, they there actually have been people who, you know, Hawaiian people who are practitioners of, of, their, of the religion, who honor and worship Pele, who've been making offerings and leaving flowers and uh, a singing chants mm-hmm. at the, you know, safe distance. Right. At a safe distance at the base of the volcano. Now, are these celebratory or appeasements? I don't know. It could be a little of both. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested to know that. It would be interesting, interesting to know. But, yeah, they, and, of course, you get tourists coming all the time mm-hmm. to see the, the volcanic activity. But, yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting and beautiful that there's active worship going on, mm-hmm. active honoring of Pele. And, again, whether it's to appease and ask for her to be gentle mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, or not, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But I, I think it's beautiful. But I think that's all I have to say. Okay. Well, very, Pele. very cool. And Finn says, don't take shit from the island. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do not take shit from the island. Uh-huh. If the Brady Bunch didn't teach you that with the tiki statue, you got no hope. <laughs> I never watched the Brady Bunch, so I can't I can't comment on that. <laughs> I'm sure there are a few people old enough to remember that episode. Oh, <laughs> says, I misread your tone at first on the don't take shit from the island. I thought, wow, Finn, I know you're gutsy, but maybe don't challenge a volcano goddess. Not that good. Not it's, that kind of not taking it's, shit. It's, it's all in your inflection. Uh-huh. It's like... It's don't take shit from the island or don't take shit from the island. Yep. <laughs> you want the first one, not the second one. <laughs> Uh, if oh, Pele is giving you shit, you probably should just take it and, and <laughs> yeah, and just make your peace with that. Make your peace with it. Send back the rock. Finn says, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> <laughs> 
Gwyn chose a fiery goddess, and I chose a wintry one. Oh, there you go. We had a little bit of snow miser and a little uh-huh. bit of heat miser. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the first one I'm going to talk about is Marzana. She can also be called Morana or Mara or Marina or Mura mm. or a whole bunch of other names. Which culture is she from? She's a Slavic goddess. Oh. So her names vary depending on which country you're in. So Russia and Ukraine and Belarus and all these different places and Poland all have slightly different names for her. Okay, cool. So the etymology of Marzana is <laughs> interesting. Still really sort of speculative. So there's a possibility that her name derives from a Proto-Indo-European root, Mar, which means death. But that's disputed because it's not clear that she was always a goddess associated with death. She might have originally been, uh, had, had like a different role and been associated with life and rebirth, which we'll get into. Unclear whether that's the, the root of her name. Another possibility, her theonym, uh, which is what's usually considered, quote, the true name of a god. So mm-hmm. like... A god who has a bunch of a variety of names. They've got a theonym, which is like the ultra gotcha. name, which is Marmuriana, which is a potential cognate to Mars Ooh. of Rome fame. And the thought the Mars. The Mars of Rome. And the thought is that the Romans had some connections in this area at the time and that they may have associated Mars with Marzana through an agricultural connection because Mm. Mars was originally an agricultural deity. So there's thoughts that Marzana may have originally also had some kind of agricultural context. Mm -hmm. And then there's another possibility because in Russian and Russian-derived languages, there's a word Mara which means like dream or hallucination or phantom. And so the thought is maybe her name comes down from that root. So lots of debate about the etymology of uh, Marzana's name here. Where did that name come from? Uh-huh. No one, no one completely clear. Elle says, Brain just made a random connection between the Bibles, beat your swords into plowshares, and Mars doing the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> Mars taking a plow and going, I can use this as a weapon. <laughs> Whatever her original context was, it's super unclear. She is now considered a goddess associated with winter and with death. She's usually portrayed as an old woman, mm. but she's sometimes described as being the twin of a spring goddess called Vesna mm. from the same area, who's always portrayed as a young woman. So it's sort of ambiguous what that connection is, but what the custom is in Slavic areas, and this is a, a custom that still goes on today. The church tried really hard to kill this custom. Of course it did. And could not. Mm-hmm. In the 14th century, they were just like, ban it. Ban this custom outright. And no one listened. <laughs> and then in the 18th century, they tried again and were like, pretend that the custom is about Judas instead of about Marzana. And everyone still ignored them. And so they finally gave up. This custom is still still goes on. Um, it's now set at March 21st as like a calendar date, but it was originally just whenever winter ended. Mm-hmm. So Marzana is associated with winter. She's the deity of winter mm-hmm. um, in Slavic regions. So winter is her time right. of prominence. At the end of winter, you create an effigy of Marzana, symbolically drown or burn that. Okay. To symbolize the death of Marzana and the end of winter. Mm-hmm. So there are a few different ways this is done. Sometimes, and it, it varies 
by region. So sometimes like it's a little puppet doll. Sometimes it's like a big human size effigy that they like process through the town. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're supposed to sort of tear her clothes as she's going through town, like rend mm -hmm. her garments. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to like dip the doll in every puddle on the way to the lake before you finally drown it. Mm -hmm. Like lots of like little region specific folk customs about how exactly you have to handle the drowning of Marzana. But mm -hmm. You drown the effigy in the lake, or burn it. Sometimes they burn it and then drown it. Okay. Um, but you drown the effigy in the lake, and then you turn around and walk back to town. And there are some rules about this. You're not allowed to turn and look back at Marzana's drowned effigy. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to stop and to do something else on the way back to town. And you should try very, very hard not to trip and fall, because if you stumble, you've caught Marzana's attention. So, Interesting. So, you, so you drown Marzana, you turn around, you mar begin your march back to town. The only thing you're allowed to do on the way back to town is gather like flowers and pine boughs and things and take them with you to build a copse, which is a little like, sometimes it's a whole tree, sometimes it's just like tree branches and flowers and boughs, but you gather up this greenery the, like sort of the first indications of spring coming back. For the, for the spring goddess. Uh-huh. And you gather those up on the way back to town and give them to usually a young girl. Mm -hmm. And she's supposed to go around town to every house dancing and singing and bringing joy and celebrating spring oh, with everyone okay. and giving blessings to people. And that's called the walking with the queen. Okay, that's so interesting. You and know, so they, that's sort of be, supposed to be sort of the handoff of power yeah. from Marzana to Vesna. You know, it, it's kind of uh, similar in some ways to the Celtic idea of Kalyach and the dawn goddess, or uh, sometimes Brigid. The only other thing I could find about Marzana, and this is maybe why she's portrayed as an old woman, even though she's supposed to be the twin of this young goddess, mm -hmm. maybe, is that there's a story in which she was the lover early on of the sun god Dazbog. Mm -hmm. And, like, this was, like, prehistory. Mm -hmm. She was his first lover, I guess. Mm -hmm. At this point, unclear, like I said, if she was always a death goddess. So this may have been an agricultural thing again. This mm -hmm. may have been a... Like Marzana was the earth and, and like it's very it's a very common right. in mythologies for there to be a romantic or sexual relationship between the, the sun and, and the, the earth. Sun, yeah. So it may have been that originally Marzana or possibly like Marzana and Vesna merged together as one earth deity mm -hmm. had this relationship with Dazbog. But either way, whatever happened, Dazbog was unfaithful to Marzana mm -hmm. and so she poisoned him. Oh, she poisoned the sun. Okay. Um, and he, in response, threw her down into the underworld ah. and cursed her to be death. So it seems like Marzana may have hypothetically originally been like just an earth goddess mm -hmm. who was cursed by the sun god after poisoning him. And this is supposed to parallel the relationship between the shortened days yeah. mm -hmm. during the, the winter is because Marzana has pulled him down into the underworld with her. Gotcha. And then uh, as winter recedes, Goes, escapes her again. Escapes. Interesting. I wish we had a little bit more about Marzana and sort of what her original role was. Because it's like a lot of what we know about her is from medieval Christian scholars. Yeah, isn't that typical too? Uh-huh. But like there are, she's mentioned once or twice 
like in passing in some Norse sagas, like that they knew of her through people in Slavic territories that they had come in contact with. And so like she's mentioned in a couple of places outside of her own mythological context, mm -hmm. but not enough for us to get like an outsider's perspective on right. it even. Right. So it's frustrating that there's clearly so much missing here. And it seems like she may have had like an earlier mythology that's just been completely Gone. overwritten yeah. by by her new role as this this death and winter goddess. Interesting. Finn is saying, fucker, that being Dazbog the Sun deserved it, shouldn't have cheated, just saying. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I yeah. Mean, it was a well deserved poisoning. Well, just saying. <laughs> Let so, that be a lesson. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> Cheat and your former partner will become a winter death goddess and drag you into the underworld with her. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I've got on Marzana. Like I said, I wish there was more, but no, that's fascinating. I, I find and I'm and I'm super proud of like all the Slavic peoples just being like, nah, fuck the church, right? <laughs> they right? try. They apparently in the 18th century they were like, let's just say that the effigy is Judas and they're drowning Judas. No, let's not. Uh huh. No one was in, No one was we're interested not doing that. in that. No one. No one was interested in that. We're uh, gonna keep attempt. our traditions. Uh -huh. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, apparently, it's not like a super solemn tradition anymore, and even it's more of a joyous. Yeah, kind it's of a thing. it's more like a celebratory, like it's it's just like a fun event for for people to have, um, I, like a fun holiday thing to do. I find it interesting that they have to leave the effigy, yes, in the like and not look back, Apparent and that's probably so that winter doesn't come back. The, what they say is if you turn back or if you loiter or if you stumble and if, if you catch Marzana's attention. You'll be plagued. Oh. So, like, she'll poison you like she poisoned the sun. Oh, like, you'll, gotcha. you'll be plagued and sickened. Rochelle says, ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah, kind, kind of that of. energy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kind of. Like, yeah, because I'm in, in that part of the world, you know, winter is really. Hard. Really dangerous and treacherous. And yeah, yeah. So, anything that celebrated the end of winter was. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a Pagans in Need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Gwen, do you have another one? Well, actually, I decided since I had been talking about Pele, mm -hmm. I'd talk about her mama. Ooh, who's her mama? Her mama is one of the ancient deities of, of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to say her whole name. Okay. <laughs> it's Papa Hanamoku, but she's simply called Papa. Okay. <laughs> and she is the Earth Mother. Mama is Papa. Mama is Papa. Yes. And uh, she is the Earth Mother. She is mentioned in the ch in chants, uh, religious and spiritual chants, as the consort of the sky god, Wakia. That's it, that Earth sky thing. That's the Earth sky thing. It's I'm telling you, it's very it's common. Very common. Um, they have many, 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 many children. <laughs> <laughs> 
Papa is still worshipped by uh, some Hawaiians, especially by women, as a primordial force of creation Mm. who has the power to give life and to heal. And in fact, the Marine National Monument has been renamed her entire long name, (laughs) which I'm not going to say, in honor of Papa. According to ancient myths, again, uh, Papa is the wife of Wakia, son of the god Kahiko. Uh, Wakia is the uh, father sky and personification of male creative power. So, you, mm, you know, you've got that. Got the female creativity, the female creative the male power. creativity. Exactly. They come together and voila. <laughs> you've got Pele and many others. <laughs> they, together, it's stated that together they created the Hawaiian Islands. Oh. And then, um, I guess, Pele, you know, her volcanic fire and eruptions helped to continue that growth. Because, you know, islands are always growing and Uh expanding. The earth is not as stable as you think it is. Yes. Hawaii, Maui, Oahu, and Kauai are considered, you know, are the islands of Hawaii. They are considered her children Hmm. because she is an earth goddess. Oh, they talked about the most famous child of Wakea and Papa is called Ho'ohukukulani. And she became Wakia's lover, according to a famous myth. Mm-hmm. The child, the daughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> gave birth to a stillborn baby. It was Papa who named the child Haloa and buried him in the earth. And from that place sprang the first taro. And, you know, taro, the taro plant is very yeah. important to uh, Hawaiian culture. There is a woman's temple called Hale Opapa, and it is the primary worship structure or religious structure associated with her. It's often built in connection with a men's temple or place of, of official ceremony. In the Aloha Aina movement, Papa is often a central figure as her spirit is the life-giving, loving, forgiving earth who nurtures human life and who is uh, being abused by the misdeeds of mankind, especially in regard to abuse of nature. And Aloha Aina is love of the land. I thought it was interesting because most people think of Pele as the, the creatrix of yeah. of the islands. But, but it's, it's Papa, it's actually. Papa and and, and the sky. And the sky god. Well, I've got another wintry god this time. Yeah, I'm all fire, you're all, all ice. Yep. We're on opposite ends of the spectrum. There. Yes, we are. It's funny because we did not no. discuss any either one of us what no. we were gonna just talk about tonight so it just kind of worked out that way no i I chose winter gods because i'm like it's winter times (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna talk about boreas who is the north wind of the greek winds very Um, cool so there are a variety of uh personified winds in greece Mm -hmm. uh in hellenic mythology but i'm gonna focus on boreas specifically he is represented as an old man with shaggy hair and a beard and wings. And some, so there's one author who says his feet are snakes, but he's always portrayed as having human feet that just have wings on them. Interesting. So I'm not sure where the his feet are snakes thing came from. That might be a later adaptation. Could be. Who De- knows? Definitely an interesting uh, perspective. Maybe somebody who didn't like the North Wind. <laughs> on, on Boreas there. <laughs> To the Greeks, Boreas was the north wind. The Romans did associate Boreas with one of their winds, but it was Aquilo, who is actually the northeastern wind mm. of nor'easter fame. Yes. <laughs> uh, which nor'easters do bring winter storms. So yes, at they least do. there's that. So Boreas was the bringer of winter. So he hailed winter into Greece. He was sometimes, but not always, considered the god of winter. I think because the sort of 
exact divinity of the winds was in question, like mm-hmm. whether they were actually gods themselves or whether they were like in a sub-god category was sort of unclear. Mm-hmm. He was also associated with horses, I guess because he got to go fast. Yep, yep, probably. <laughs> um, he at one point took on the form of a stallion and mated with a mare and produced like 14 colts or something who were all supposed to be so fast that they could run across a field without disturbing the flowers. Oh, wow. So fast and so light. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He was supposed to be very sort of tempestuous and moody and unruly. Well, north wind. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of defaults to anger as his, <laughs> as his primary emotion. He prizes strength and power over everything else. Those are his sort of primary characteristics. Mm-hmm. But there are a few stories that feature Boreas. But the probably the most significant and the one with the most like long-term impact is that he falls in lust with an Athenian princess named Orithia. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> and he tries to woo her and she's not interested. Oh, no. uh-huh. this is not going to end well. No. So uh, having been rebuffed, his immediate response is to default to anger. Yeah. Because... That's his, that's his default response to everything, apparently. Well, um, this I think, was not a very good example. No. I mean. So, so Boreas kidnaps her. Yeah. And takes her up into a cloud. Yeah. And rapes her. Oh, like of you, course Like he you does. do. And they have some children. Two of those children actually go on to be Argonauts. Okay. So they inherit wings from their father. Yeah. And, and go on to join Jason and, mm-hmm. and be Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. But the Athenians considered... That this made Boreas their relative by marriage, because when you have children with a woman, you are considered, like, you marry her. Right. Whether it was consensual or not. That's how the ancient world was. That's how they dealt with things. Uh Uh-huh. So so the Athenians considered Boreas to be their relative by marriage, which meant that they could, like, petition him to just do things for them. And so, so, like, they... So he's obligated by marriage. Yeah, he's he's their (laughs) in-law, basically. Gotcha. Um, so, like, they would build, like, a temple for Boreas and petition Boreas to do things for them. And, like, like they'd give him also offerings. But the big thing was, like, you owe, you us. owe us this. You married into our city, basically, mm-hmm. into being the patron of our city. That's what you get for uh-huh. being uh, an obnoxious Randy god. Yeah. So, apparently, on two separate occasions, they credited Boreas with sinking the entire Persian fleet that was coming to harass Athens. Dang. Because on two separate occasions, set like over a decade apart, Persia sent a big fleet, like 400 ships, into the harbor around Athens Mm -hmm. to invade. Like you do. And both times, they were pushed back by storm winds and dashed on the rocks. No wonder they thought Boreas was, uh-huh. was so on they, their side there. Exactly. So Athens was was a big fan of Boreas <laughs> because as their in-law, he was required to, to help them out and he, he held up his end of the bargain, apparently. Well, that, well, at least he did that. Uh-huh. But Athens wasn't the only city-state that had um, a relationship with Boreas. He was worshipped in a couple of other places as well where hmm. similar feats had happened. And in one case, Boreas, the north wind, was granted citizenship and a plot of land for his services to a city. Oh, my gosh. Did they build a temple on it? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't say. Well, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and I do, I do wonder, like, 
what did they do with that land symbolically? Yeah. Like, do you build a do temple you build on a it? Temple? Does do you just give it to someone like a priest to, to maintain? Like, but so Boris was listed on their citizen rolls. That's so funny. Yeah. So very interesting guy. Oh, one other thing about um, Boreas and horses, which I've been reminded of because he's so randy. Pliny thought back to Pliny. Gotta love Pliny. Pliny thought that if mares stood with their hindquarters towards the north. They could be spontaneously impregnated by Boreas. Oh, bless. And their foals would be half horse, half north wind. Oh, my gosh. So he was like, be careful when you're pasturing your mares. Don't put them where they're... Don't put them where they can... If you you want them to mate with... Where the north wind can come from behind. If you want them to mate with a specific stallion, don't put them where the north wind can get to them. Oh, Pliny. He had some interesting (laughs) thoughts, He really did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonder what he'd been smoking when he came up with I, that one. Who knows? Maybe he just had seen a horse that no one knew how how the stallion got in, and they were just like, "Northwind must That's have done it." Possible. <laughs> that is possible. You know, stallion had jumped the gate at some point, and no one saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, that's Boreas the Northwind. I like it. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting dude. Kind of sucks, but uh, yeah. most of them do. Yeah, let's let's face it. Like I said, Zeus was not exactly a no. good example for the deities. No. Oh, there's also a story. So there's a story about Boreas and Helios. Like all the gods, Boreas and Helios are related. One mm-hmm. of them is one of the other's uncle, and I don't right. remember which it is. <laughs> either Helios is Boreas's uncle or Boreas is Helios's uncle. I feel like it could go either way. I'm gonna say the Boreas is the uncle because he's the one who specifically looks like an old man. They had they get into it. That's where the idea, the concept of old man winter comes from. Very much could be, yeah. Oh, and Githa says I want to go see the Northern Lights. So the Aurora Borealis, yeah, yeah is Boreas. the name does come from Boreas. Yeah. So Helios and Boreas get into a debate. Uh, about which one of them is more powerful. Of course they do. <laughs> like they do? Because Boreas is really big on strength. Uh-huh. And like he wants to be the most powerful one in the sky. So he gets to do a fight with Helios about this. Oh my gosh. And, and so Helios proposes, okay, see that guy down there? You and I will get into a fight to see who can get his cloak off of him faster. Oh, I've heard this story. Yeah. I have so, heard this story before. So Helios and Boreas... Both start trying to get this man's cloak off mm-hmm, of him. Mm-hmm. And so Boreas sends, like, winds tempestuously, like, battering this man back and forth, trying to rip the cloak off of him. And the man just, like, huddles in and pulls the cloak tighter to himself because now he's freezing to death. And, like, Boreas cannot get the cloak off him. Right. This man's got a death grip on it. So Helios takes over and just gently... Shines brighter and brighter and brighter and warms the area up brighter and brighter and brighter. And finally, the man takes off his cloak of his own volition. Because he's too hot. Because he's too hot now. That became an Aesop's fable. Yeah, so the, the moral of the story is try persuasion instead of force. Yep, yep. That, which, which Boreas did not vibe with. Yep, that was an Aesop's fable. That was a great, that's a great story. Rochelle says, heck with that pantheon, it could be both as in they could be each other's uncles and, and nephews. That's the truth. Entirely that's possible. That's pretty much true of all the pantheons. Pantheons. Yeah. They're all interrelated in some Greece way. Greece is especially bad about that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is truly, I know I keep saying, like, I'm done, and then I have another story I just remembered <laughs> about Boreas, but that's truly all I know about Boreas. Very good, very good. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, that's all I had. Right, that's, that's all, all that's had. all we got prepared. So that's our deep dive. In- Fire and ice. Fire and ice. Can Google us with the number three? And the words pagans and a cat, or the number three, and the letters P-A-A-C. We have a Patreon, 
and a Ko-Fi. We have a Discord group mm-hmm. and a Facebook group, mm-hmm. both of which anyone can join mm-hmm. uh, to hang out with our pagan our, community, with our, our pride. pride. And remember, anyone who listens to this podcast, you mm-hmm. are a member of the Pride. Unless you opt out. Unless you opt being out. part of the Pride. You're like, eh, I'm eh, done. I reject. Let's see. Gwen has a TikTok mm-hmm. and a Patheos Pagan blog. Mm-hmm. And I think that's everything. That sounds like it. Okay. That's everything. That's everything. So, basically, listen, share, like, subscribe. <laughs> All those, all the things. I guess, yeah, you can, like, subscribe to us on your podcast feed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, on your uh, app. <laughs> let people know. And if you like us, you know, and you want to support us, that, that'd be awesome. Right. We greatly appreciate we that. We greatly appreciate it. If you just want to listen, we appreciate that, too. Mm-hmm. Share with people that you think would be interested in what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Pagan topics. Pagan topics. And we will see you next week. That's right. Oh, and remember to have a delightful December. Have a delightful December. December.